Well, hello! Pew, pew, pew! Welcome to, uh, what? You talk about Willis? I'm what? Billy, I'm here with Mark. Mark, uh, the wheel gave us Nobody's Fool, number 34 on the master list. Did you watch oh. it? Well, I'm Nobody's Fool because I watched it the next day. What day did I watch it? Today is Saturday. I watched it Thursday night. I had a quite a long break. I hope nobody that I work with will ever listen to this because I had quite a long break in the end of my day and I sat in my office while my in-laws were here and watched the entire movie <laughs> hiding in my office. So on the pilot episode, we were both a little concerned with the hour and 50 runtime. That shit flew by. This movie was nice. It, it, uh, I did not go into it expecting to like it, and I came out really enjoying the movie. It was, it was really good. It was very good. It, Paul it's Newman, really good. Goddamn darling is what he is. I saw it twice before, once in probably 1995 and once in probably like 2002. I have the DVD. I wasn't sure if I had it or not. I have a bunch of Bruce DVDs from 20 years ago. And I, it, um, this, this one was in there. I actually I purchased this movie on Amazon Prime. In HD too, so I went I, like I spent the extra dollar to get the high quality version. Not just because I heard that there were going to be some tits flashed in this movie. And there were. <laughs> there were some and tits. Were. Bruce Willis had his shirt off in one scene. I couldn't believe it. Well, yes. I mean, when we get to the to the movies, I actually called my wife in during the movie scene, the, 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 the flash. And I was like, Melanie Griffith was a fucking fox. Like a stone cold fox in this. So that scene made Shay drop her jaw. We, it was a great scene, and I can't believe we're starting at boobs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's go back. Let's go to the beginning. You're, that's right. This is not that kind of. This is a children's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So nobody's fool. Let's get into it. Ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This was released. I saw two dates. I'll go with the IMDb date of December 26, 1994. Yes. Bruce Willis stars as Carl Roebuck. Star slash film. Loose, loose term. Co-stars. Bruce Carl stars Roebuck. in anything he's in. And we're going to see that from the d- the directed DVD movies. You're really pushing that stuff, man. That's like your fentanyl right now. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous because I... Like I said, I took four pages of notes, and I was looking up old articles, old reviews, and I was thinking when these direct-to-DVD movies are on our plate, there's going to be no articles about them. There's there's going to be nothing. It's going to be good. Yeah, man. We're going to write the book. Well, in fact, maybe we should do some fan fiction when we get there. So I was going to do this later. I, I want to do it now. True or false, is there a sequel to this movie? False. It's true, Mark Jones. There's no. a sequel called Everybody's Fool. Who's in that? It's not Paul Newman. It's not the same cast. It can't be it is because a... Jessica Tandy could not be in the second one. Paul Newman's character is in it. It's a book written by the same writer as the movie. I should have known that. Yeah, I, I read that it was a book, a very well-received book um, made into the movie. So that, that's predictable, I suppose. I have the synopsis here. 
The narrative follows the lives of a number of characters in fictional North Bath, New York. Over the course of a Memorial Day weekend, Police Chief Douglas Raymer, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman in Nobody's Fool, the fool of the title, tries to discover the identity of his late wife's lover. His only clue is a garage door opener, which he uses on various houses to see whose door will open. Donald Sully Sullivan has recently come into money, but must now come to grips with his declining health. Both men get involved in a drama regarding the return of Roy Purdy, a wife abuser whose existence threatens Sully's ex-lover, Ruth. Additionally, Raymer works cases involving a crumbling building, a dissolving cemetery, and the illegal smuggling of dangerous snakes. (laughs) All the while... Time out. Time out. Ruth was his ex-lover? Who is Ruth in the movie? Mel- Melanie Griffith. That's Carl Ruth Roebuck. So I guess after Nobody's Fool, spoiler alert, they live happily ever after until this Memorial Day weekend when Douglas Raymer is fighting illegal snake sm- smuggling. I wonder how they got there to Bat- North Bath, New York. What what type of vehicle would a snake take? Is this the <laughs> is this where Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis? intersect were those snakes on a plane oh wow because samuel jackson had enough of those motherfucking snakes on that motherfucking plane remember sully is a pilot sully was on the plane with the snakes on a plane samuel jackson oh wow this is this is deep state kind of stuff pizzagate kind of thing like let's (laughs) drinking hollywood stars right now i'm i'm a little i think we should stop talking about this we're in too deep Way too deep, man. In too deep sounds like a Bruce Willis direct to DVD movie. It's it's starring co-starring Steven Seagal. All the while, Raymer navigates his possibly romantic feelings for Sharice, one of his officers. Are you going to read Everybody's Fool? I uh, I am not going to read Everybody's Fool because I don't read that type of book. Like the romantic rom-com novels, not in my wheelhouse. Slash Film has Nobody's Fool ranked as the fifth best Paul Newman movie. Wow, really? Let's go down the top five real quick. Do you have the top five? So I lied okay. last episode. I said I never saw a Paul Newman movie before. Um, I've seen Slapshot like at least five times. So right. So I was gonna. I mean, Slapshot. It's probably not. It's not a great movie, but it was. It's a cult classic. Um, what is it? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Never it's saw it. Be. What? It's a good one, man. That's great. It's a. It was based on a play. Um. Oh wait, I'm thinking of. What a, I can't remember. There was oh um, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Never saw it. What? Oh my God, man. Uh, cool Hand Luke has to be on there, of course. Never, Never saw, saw it. it. Never saw it. Yeah. Do you want me to look at the top five? I guess I should have. Nah, we don't have to. Let's get into this movie, man. We're going to spend all this time talking about Paul Newman and not about this movie. Okay, so this movie, to me, it looks like it could have been filmed in Holidaysburg. Did you get that feeling? Um, kind of, but there was way too much snow. This definitely looked like it was filmed in upstate New York to me. This was Vermont, Connecticut, something like that. It snows in Holidaysburg. Not anymore, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Climate change. El Nino. Uh, One of the taglines I saw, or 
I don't know. It says a stubborn man past his prime reflects on his life of strict independence and seeks more for himself. That was the, I, that might have, well, then that's a third tagline because we read the posters the last time. There were two different poster taglines, worn to perfection or something like that. Mm-hmm. This was rated R for strong language and nudity. That's PG-13 nudity, though. That's, you know, if there's no, like, male genitalia or full frontal complete waist down nudity, that's PG-13 nudity. I mean, everybody's seen boobs. Come on. Yeah, grow up ratings board. Seriously. This was a Paramount Pictures joint. Speaking of joint, Sully looked like he was smoking some L's throughout this movie. Did you see the way he was smoking those? They were little cigarellos, and I don't think Paul Newman actually smoked, so he was like, just like, puff, 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 puff. Candy cigarette style. Not real cigarette style. But they were like little filterless cigars. This made $39 million at the box office on a $20 million budget. They don't make movies like this anymore. Um like they don't get theatrical releases nowadays because of the death of the home box office and and video rental stores. I don't know. That doesn't even seem like that much money. Like a twenty million dollar budget with those actors in it, and only I mean, so it basically doubled its profit or doubled its costs. Um, and Bruce took fourteen hundred dollars a week to work on this movie. I think that's why he was uncredited. Yeah, so he was usually getting like at this time fifteen million dollars a movie. He took the fourteen hundred uncredited role because he wanted to prove to the action. studios, yeah. yeah, that he was more than just an action star. Well, he did it. He did a great job, and I bet to work with Paul Newman. Yeah, he took drastic pay cuts for movies like Pulp Fiction, North, Four Rooms, and Twelve Monkeys. He also wanted to work with Paul Newman, Tarantino, Rob Reiner. Well, check, check, check. He also, I mean, the GIMP. He wanted to work with the GIMP really bad. So let's just cut to the chase about Carl Roebuck for a second. All right. Carl Roebuck was a, was a royal prick in this movie. I mean, his character was unlikable. I think it was a charming relationship between Carl and Sully. I laughed a lot about like the snowblower stealing back and forth was fantastic. But this guy towards his wife. Now what the, the, the backstory that you don't see in the movie, but you hear a lot about is that Carl just had a heart attack or some serious health condition. He's recovering from it. So midlife crisis kind of thing. He's driving a, like a 94 Mustang 5.0 Cobra in upstate New York in the middle of the winter. So that screams asshole to me. And he was cheating and philandering on his wife with his secretary, you know, standard trope. But his wife was lovely. She was like freaking lovely, a great person. And, you know, a smoke show, man. She was totally, Mel Griffiths is a smoke show in this. So I thought he was an absolute royal prick, um, but he had a beautiful head of hair. In this film, don't know if it's a piece, but it was gorgeous. I have a note on that later. I'm going to save it because it's part of a segment. Um, Uh, Melanie Griffith, uh, she was always a big star, but I never really knew why. Like she was a little before my time. I mean, I know we're the same age. I know she was in Working Girl, but I I was looking at her filmography. 
I don't know. Nothing really jumped out to me. She was, I remember watching Milk Money. She was so easily to confuse with Meg Ryan. They were both like the cute, lovable, you know, blonde... Uh, ingenue in these in the very different movies that they were in they, like they played the, they could have played all the same rules like you could tell me that melanie griffith was in top gun and i would be like eh, that probably right that sounds about right that was the blonde woman that was in that yeah she's like diet meg ryan damn so i wonder where i froze at you froze when you turned around and you were putting a pen did you hear me call melanie griffith diet meg ryan I don't think you can call Melanie Griffith Diet Meg Ryan, but they're both versions of each other. I feel like Meg Ryan was more famous for her roles, and Melanie Griffith was more famous for her, like, love life to Don Johnson. What? Meg yeah. Ryan was in You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, Meg Ryan was more famous for her acting career, and Melanie Griffith was more famous for her personal life. I thought Meg Ryan was married to Don. No, M- Melanie Griffith's daughter with Don Johnson. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Just, yeah. I'm She's kidding. married. Meg Ryan was married to Dennis Quaid. Not Randy? Randy's brother. I bet Randy was at that wedding, though. Yeah. Stick to, the, stick to it. All right, so Willis is a prick. He, he's got hair. Um, going through the midlife crisis with his health. Totally unfaithful. Carouser. But I thought I felt that Sully saw Carl as like a younger version of himself, and that's why they had that weird adversarial but somewhat like loving relationship between the two of them. Like somebody steals a snowblower from me, I'm gonna throw a rock through their fucking window. <coughs> and this was just like, oh, you little scamp, you you old scoundrel, I'm gonna come and steal it back. And if somebody breaks your dog, uh, Sully broke Carl's dog yeah, by poisoning him. Well, and I actually had a note about that, that he drugged the dog. And I was like, that became a very standard, like, m- like movie trope. It's the second time I've said trope. That's twice as many times I've said it in my entire life. But that became like a standard movie thing. And in so many movies, you saw people shoving, I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm sure Ferris Bueller's Day Off was actually before this. I, 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 could, I, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. But in the uh, something about Mary, they, they shoved the speed into the little dog treats it's it's happened so many times and i was like oh that was completely that was so transparent as soon as he was buying the meat i was like oh they're gonna i just thought he was gonna feed it to the dog to distract him but then i I was like oh he's got the pills in his pocket this is gonna be great and then carl also showed concern for sully when sully they went to his childhood home and he kind of blanked out while Carl was trying to get like flooring for cheap. Right. Yeah. He was diagnosing the state of the house and Sully just blanked out and forgot about his grandson. That was, uh, yeah, but that's a weird, like the, the, the house as a character was so weird and disconnected. Like they gave you zero backstory or information about Sully's childhood I mean, I guess you could assume it was not great just by the way that he, his relationship with his son and then his relationship with other people and the fact that he was kind of a bum living with an old woman in the upstairs of her house. Yeah, he's like a sad townie. But yeah, but it's like, that was just like, I felt like they stuck that in there because they're like, we need to really make 
this character and Paul Newman look super sensitive and introspective. It was like, it just didn't, it didn't like jive with the rest of it. You know, it worked in the end, but I, I just, I didn't understand. I'm like, why, why did Jessica Tandy pay off the house? The, the back taxes on it. Like he's going to live there. It's that piece of shit rundown house with no right. floors. Like, so, so now he owns it just to look at it and go back and have flashbacks of horrible memories of getting beat and watching his mom get beaten. I'm like, that doesn't seem like, let's, let's burn it down. Yeah, maybe if they had a flashback scene, it, it might have been too depressing for the tone of the movie, which, you know, it was fairly upbeat. Like, there was no real jarring no. sad scenes in the movie, which, a you know, a child, like a flashback child abuse scene would have been out of tone. What, um, so I had this big thing written down here that this was very much like a father, fa- this was relationships about fathers and sons, or father figures and son figures, between Sully and Carl, Sully and Peter, Sully and his grandson, Peter and his grandson, Peter and his two sons, which I have some real issues with the two kids. Um, Wacker and Will? Why whacker? I get it because he whacked him on the knee, but I'm like, uh, doesn't he have a real name? Like, do the parents really call him Whacker? Like, he goes to school and people call him Whacker. He's Whacker. That kid had a hard life. And then when they when 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 Peter and his wife split, and Peter's like, "Well, I'm sensitive, so I'll take sensitive little Will, and you're a raging cunt, so you take <laughs> fucking Whacker with you," and she just bolts with Whacker. And I'm like, when have you seen a divorce happen or a separation happen where parents are like, you know what? We're dividing assets. Let's just split the kids too. You take these two. I'll take this one. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe they were ahead of their time. I don't know. Maybe it was just like they couldn't have two kids in the film and didn't want to pay them, you know, the the, the (laughs) same amount of money. And they were like, let's just make this about one weird little kid and not two. You couldn't have Wacker as a main character in that because it would turn into Dennis the Menace. Like, Wacker would just be running around whacking people, doing crazy wild stuff, shooting a slingshot. Yeah, I'd watch the Wacker spinoff. I, I, you'd watch anything. I, I mean, that's unsurprising to me. I feel like Mike Wilbon right now, because I'm like, ah, I'm not surprised that you would say that. I did like the world building in this movie. I thought it was impressive. Uh, From Paul Newman wearing the local bar's hat, the iron horse, and Bruce was wearing a tip-top construction hat. Uh, When Sully was hitchhiking, he was standing in front of a billboard for the Ultimate Escape theme park that is later revealed to be his landlord's son, Jessica Tandy's son. Big idea to get rich, and it turned out to be like a Ponzi scheme. That was... I mean, I thought the guy was going to kill himself when it all fell through. I was like, that's going to be the end of Jessica Tandy, who I still don't remember her name. Um, but I, but she, she, she's, I mean, what a like gem of an actress Jessica Tandy was. Like, there's, we completely missed the boat on Jessica Tandy, Cocoon, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What was he? She was in one of those like Ceiling Magnolias or Steel Magnolias or something, one of those. She was Miss Daisy, right? She was Miss Daisy. She is, she was a gem. She was so fantastic in this. And she absolutely eviscerated and and castrated her son in front of everybody at the country club. Like when she did that, (laughs) 
they were everybody was like, oh, you've got to be so proud of your son. She's like, he's not my son. My son was switched at birth at the hospital. And I was like, that's fucking ruthless to say about your son in front of your son in front of all his friends who are trying to like, you know, get their get their knees a little dirty for him so they can get in on this stupid theme park. Who the fuck builds a theme park in upstate New York? <laughs> Speaking of, just a side tangent here. Have you ever seen? Oh my god, I can't remember the name of it, but it was in upstate New York, and it was like this terrible theme park, adventure adventure park or Adventureland or something like that. Oh, um, you talk about it in New Jersey? Yeah. Action Park. Action Park. Chris Gethard is in the. Yeah, yeah, class action park. Oh my god, dude, that was so good. Anyway, okay, back on the track. That slide uh, action park you're talking about that has the loop, that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> Watching the, like, the physics of it, you're like, yeah, that was not thought out at all. That's something that like, we would have built as children for ourselves. Did you see the horrible Johnny Knoxville movie they made based off that park? Yes. yes. It's so bad. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he stole some scenes, though. I know he wasn't in very much, but he was a cop. Yes. And also a prick. Yeah, he had a great scene when when Rub quit. Do you know Rub's name? In real life, or in no, character the character's name. Worf. Rub Squeers. I thought it was Worf. Oh, Worf is the lawyer. Never mind. Rub Squeers. Yeah, Rub is his um, you know, construction buddy who gets jealous of his son no, no, being no, around. He's the he's the mildly retarded guy. Yeah, Rub Squeers. That sounds like a comedy Bang Bang character name. It, it I mean, it seems purposeful. <laughs> yeah, but Rub quits. Rub, Rub quits. He throws a beer at Sully's childhood home, and Sully and his son go after him. And Sully drive. This is a great scene. Sully drives up on the sidewalk while Rub is walking, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's cop character emerges. In, into frame coming down the street and he, he pulls over Sully and he ends up pulling his gun on him and nobody thinks he's going to shoot and he fires a shot which surprised everybody even Philip Seymour Hoffman and then Sully gets out of the truck and punches him in the face I um my, my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman scene was when they were sitting in front of the judge the judge was fantastic and they were kind of hashing it out inside of his chambers and Philip so the, the, the deputy Philip Seymour Hoffman and his, the sheriff are sitting next to each other. And then Sully and Worf, the lawyer, the drunk lawyer with one leg on the other side. And Philip Seymour Hoffman starts trying to plead his case. And it's just, the sheriff is just like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. Whatever his name was. I was like, that was completely out of the blue, but it was fantastic. I was like, I guess you can curse in front of judges if you're like friends with the judge. There was that scene with the lawyer later in the movie where, um, he lost his leg in a poker game. Yeah, a lot of over in that poker game. Yeah, and he wanted um he wanted his leg back and they gave it to is it Wacker or Will gave him back the leg? Well it was Will that Sully Paul, aka Paul Newman gave him the leg to take over. But that was like a, a, a callback to the mm-hmm. to the scene he had. So again, fathers and sons, right? This is Will and Sully's relationship with Will is a chance for redemption for Sully to make amends for and make up for the shitty father that he was to Peter. Um, and so he gives them, like, he, 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 
I don't know why the kid freaked out whenever Sully had like the flashback thing at the house because he was outside for like four minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, there's not wolves circling you. Like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Grow a pair, Will. Yeah, like hard enough. W- Wacker would have been fine out there. Wacker would have started a fire and, and killed a cat one, and it, ate him. Yeah. So, so Paul Newman comes to the house to, the, to his, his former wife's house, who's now remarried to a complete cuck. Can't even remember the guy's name, but he's he's like a milk toast. Everybody walks all over kind of guy, and he he suddenly makes up with with Will, the grandson, by giving him a stopwatch and saying, "Hey, you know, like you were scared outside the house, but this is like I'm sorry, and next time, like time yourself. You can be brave for one minute, so time yourself, and then the next time you time yourself, you can be brave for two minutes, and then three minutes, and that's what he does with the leg. He's like, he's still got that mm-hmm. stopwatch. That was adorable. That was a great yeah. back, and that was it. it like I hate to say, it, like I, I was, I thought about my own relationship with my dad when I was watching this, and I was like, oh man, I like, I kind of wish my dad was alive to see his grandson and treat him better than he treated my brothers and I when we were kids, you know. So I, it, that was a touching, the relationship between Paul, well, not Paul, between Sully and Will was, I love that. That was, and you know, it showed that he was like a, all the good things that Sully was doing throughout the the course of the film was really demonstrating like the quality of human that he is like he might be a scumbag you know you know no good good for nothing lazy son of a bitch but like him helping miss Beryl or jessica tandy with everything kind of being like the son she never had when out of nowhere the non sequitur miss hattie just starts walking down the street like in her bathrobe and he goes out and rescues her takes her back to hattie's diner Shay pointed out that was the Ghostbuster from the librarian from Ghostbusters. It was. She's a character actress. I didn't catch her name. It's when I when you watch stuff on Prime, you can actually check and see who the characters are in the scene. And I looked at that and I was like, oh my god, that's that's that lady. She's yeah, she's a librarian. There's a great part at the end of the scene after he gets her back to the diner, and um, Jessica Tandy's son gets put in his place. He tries leaving with the ketchup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Sully is a, another great scene is after Sully is allowed out of jail to be a pallbearer and he learns his trifecta hit that he plays all the time, but he was in jail and wasn't able to play that day. Who died? Cuz I thought I don't was, know. I thought Miss Barrel died and then they were like, "Oh, she paid the taxes off." And I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" I wasn't sure either. I wasn't I thought about asking you, but then I didn't want to look like I didn't know. <laughs> oh, man, what, you're, like, you're not the seller. You're not the expert of North Bath, New York. Yeah. But, yeah, he couldn't play the trifecta because he was in jail. And then he also learns that the theme park has gone belly up and he drops his, he drops the casket. <laughs> no, it was, he didn't drop the casket because of the theme park. He dropped the casket because of the trifecta. And the trifecta. Yeah, same thing at the same time. Not, not the same thing at all. One person died and the other one was gambling on horses. I don't think we can equivocate those six. They're not the same thing. I have two more things that I wanted, well, three more things that I wanted to talk about. So, one was who died. I have no idea. Slash the, the, the leg scene, which we, I guess we already dissected that a little bit. The, the poker scene where... Every, all like Sally's luck completely turns and everything goes his way and it's like when his luck turns 
his, his luck is horrible his entire life. But when his luck turned good, like he won all the money. He won Melanie Griffith and a trip to Hawaii. He got to see Bruce Willis and his his secretary naked, which was the Bruce Willis shirtless and the other woman second topless scene. He won the sheriff's gun, which was fantastic. Yeah, everything was coming up Sully here. Everything's coming up Sully. To get to the Melanie Griffith boob scene, so Sully is, he meets, he goes to the, he goes to Tip Top Construction, which is Carl Roebuck's, played by Bruce Willis's construction office. He expects to see Bruce's mistress there. He sees Melanie Griffith. They have a fun relationship throughout the movie. And he finishes his business and he goes to leave and he pops his head back in and he says because, because his grandson called him and was like grandpa and then she was like see you grandpa and he stuck his head back in right yeah something like that yeah and he says to her i don't know bruce's mistress name he says bruce's mistress used to wear a little see-through top and before he could finish the sentence she's showing boob <laughs> yeah, full flash no bras just an itchy sweater over what was great what was great about the scene though was a smile on her face yes like she loved doing it she mm-hmm. took great joy in, in flashing selling she's like yeah what are, you, what are you gonna do about this he's he's gonna walk away with like which was like it was adorable because he was like yeah. kind of embarrassed and he was like oh shucks <laughs> you know? yeah and then that leads to the poker scene when she shows up bruce is there she's She's pissed. You know, she finds her husband there with another woman. He had promised her that he was done with her. Another woman. And they're both completely stark naked, getting hammered drunk after he just had a heart attack. Well, before before we, like, okay, finish this, because I have a little, I have a flaw in this, in the film. There is a major flaw. I was just going to say, and she leaves with Sully then. Sully walks her out to the truck, and she starts, they... They make plans that are never going to happen, and yeah. Sully's looking at her, and she's crying. Like he, he knows she's in no position to be making like huge life choices at this time. And then there was one of those, the, the class. I love it in movies whenever there is an old man. Like this was like the James Bond kissing a much younger, much more attractive woman kind of scene, and I was like. That's gross. I don't want to see my grandfather tongue kiss like a 25-year-old woman. <laughs> it was so, that, was, that was disgusting to me. But I was like, you know, go get it. So Yeah, uh, Shay commented on it being disgusting also. Yeah, she's got good taste. So here's the thing. So earlier in the movie, Sully shows up. He, he walks into Ruth and, and Carl's house. Like, not numerous times. Just walks in, starts using the phone, that kind of shit, hanging out with Ruth. At one point, when I think they were, she was like, no, I'm done with him. He comes over, walks in, and they start doing shots of Jack Daniels. They're drinking right from the bottom. She's like, oh, we're drinking from the bottom tonight, Sully. Next scene with Melanie Griffith is when she's at the office, right? And then he finds out later, Melanie Griffith is pregnant with Carl's child. Do you remember this? No. Like in the evening, shot it out of the field. 
All right, we're back. We had a technical difficulty. I'm not exactly sure where we left off. I think you were talking about Melanie Griffith. I just, I just pretended to be paused. That was really hard. You fooled me. <gasps> I'm somebody's fool. Oh, you're nobody's fool. I was talking about the, the, this, the, the scene where Sully and Ruth were drinking Jack Daniels from the bottle at the... Um, Almost said Carbuncle. That's not their last name. Roebuck residence, and uh, uh, like a couple scenes later, that like they're, they're, he's talking to Bruce Willis, uh, and and Bruce Willis is like, "Yeah, man, she's pregnant. Like we're getting back together. Everything's great." And I was like, "So you were just drowning your fetus in whiskey <laughs> a, a, hours ago, and now you're like, oh, everything's happy. It's wedded bliss." And I was like, "You're." I mean, that kid's going to have a dab of something. Hey, that... Sloshed. That North Bath, New York life isn't for everybody. Well, it's hard living up there, I guess. Um, so I guess my, my summary of... Uh, do you have additional notes? Yeah, I have a couple. I have I have a trivia question for you. Um, which Super Mario Brothers character is the dog named after? Bowser. Yep, that's Bowser. Yeah. I like that dog. That dog was a, was a sissy, man. I, I don't like Dobermans. Like, I have a deep... Dobermans and I don't, have, like, get along very well. I had neighbors that had Dobermans. They had two of them when I was very, very young. And they lived on the top of a hill. And if you went to their house... Like, I remember leaving their house... And the dogs start chasing us down the hill and running so fast, like just face planting in the grass. And like, oh, I'm gonna get killed by the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd want a Doberman either. I, I've never had a bad experience with one, though. I I see one routinely who lets me pet her. Doberman, and... Noberman, Noberman, <laughs> Noberman. Uh, this was directed by Robert Benton. Written by Richard Russo. Richard Russo won a Pulitzer Prize in 2002 for the novel Empire Falls. Rene Russo's brother. Double R's. There's no way. (laughs) And then (laughs) Robert Benton directed Kramer vs. Kramer in 1979. He had previously worked with Bruce on 1991's Billy Bathgate, which is number 59 on the master list. Robert Benton? Stacey Benton's uncle. And then Robert Benton... (laughs) I found this in the L.A. Times article in 1995. Robert Benton was introducing Bruce to Paul Newman, and Bruce said, quote, you know we've worked together before, end quote, and then Newman couldn't remember meeting him. The next day, Bruce shows up with a cassette tape and pops it into the VCR. It's the 1982 film The Verdict. There's a courtroom scene, and the camera catches a glimpse of an extra seated behind Paul Newman. It's little-known Walter Bruce Willis. Little Willie. <laughs> little Willie. Little, little Willie. And I'm sure Paul Newman got a good chuckle out of that. <laughs> yeah, you never know who's who's gonna pop and who doesn't. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman here, you know, he ended up having a nice career until his ultimate demise. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruce, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bruce worked with Melanie Griffith in Bonfire of the Vanities. That's number three on the master list. Oh, the, the randomly generated master list? Randomly constructed. Randomly con- 
it's not random at all. You got to stop saying it was randomly constructed, man. You just constructed it, all right? And then I have a segment I do on Bird Notice. It's called the three stars. So I figured I can do that. I can bring the three stars over here to what? You talk about Willis? So I gave my three stars. My number three star is Whacker. Are you serious? Yep. It's just a great introduction to the character after Sully is picked up by his son while hitchhiking. And he says, why do they call you Whacker? And he gets whacked. So the kid's got two scenes. He hits Paul Newman in the knee, gets his dick caught in the toilet by his little brother. <laughs> little brother. That's it. Scene he's gone. <laughs> scene stealer. He's played by Carl Mattis Jovich. Mattis, Mattis Yahoo. He has five credits, three, three of them in 1994, Nobody's Fool, an episode of The Cosby Mysteries, and Leon the Professor. <laughs> hey, here's yeah, the mystery. I'll tell you yeah. the mystery. I'll spoil it for you. He was drugging women the entire time. Sha, sha, sha. And Leon the Professional. He had two in 1999, a Val Kilmer movie called At First Sight and an episode of Law oh. and Order. At first sight, uh, Val Kilmer was, I think, like a blind crack fighter or something like that in that movie. My number two star was Bruce Willis's hair plugs. They're, they're going strong in this movie. I don't think that they were plugs. I think that was his actual real growing hair. No way. Yes. There's no way. Yes. I think he went bald. I didn't think he's, he didn't start acting with male pattern baldness. Is this post or pre? This is post. Um, uh, um, Die Hard, the first Die Hard, right? Right. This is like five years after Die Hard. Well, his, my first star is Paul Newman. Uh, name above the title. He carries the movie here at 69 years old. He's in every scene. He's the heart and soul of the movie. He's nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. He also starred in the Hudsucker Proxy in the same year. Never saw that. He's a race car driver. He went to Yale, served in the Navy, World War II. We talked about his salad dressings last week. He's just his, his entire line of, of food products. It's not just salad dressing, man. He built an empire. Paul Newman, man, he's he's a baller. And then, um, all right, so you've listened to How Did This Get Made before, right? Yes. They have something called second opinions, but here at what you talk about, Willis, we have alternative examinations. <laughs> Oh my God, you're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> this is on Letterboxd from Front Row Review. This is the most bullshit movie I've ever seen in my life. Paul Newman got old. It was more fun watching him embrace it in Color of Money than actually being it in Nobody's Fool. Willis turns up from time to time in a dickhead role that never really goes anywhere other than the ending in which he has a gun pointed at him whilst a woman has her breasts out next to him. Melanie Griffith does nothing except flash her breasts at one point. Notice a theme? It's probably the most prevalent theme in the whole film. Drivel. There were two scenes where there were bare breasts, and they were integral to the movie. One established a relationship, a flirtatious, playful relationship between the main character and, and, and like a love interest, who I do believe was really interested in. And the other one was to set up the whole, like, the, the denouement, the final scene of, you know, them going to Melanie Griffith and, and Paul Newman running off to Hawaii, like this plan that they had, and then him saying, oh, you know, oh my God, what am I doing? I'm an old man. You're a young woman. I'm going to ruin your life. Like, all of this is necessary. That guy can burn in a fiery car crash for all I care. <laughs> you hear that front row review? Yeah. Mark's coming after you. 
take a back seat front row review. Front row review gave that two stars. This is a one and a half star review from It's LV. I love you, Paul, but nobody's fool is way too smaltzy and dull overall for me, even though you are still enjoyable to watch in this. So here's my feedback to both of them. The reason that you're reviewing this on a fucking third-party website, okay, is the same reason this has 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. People love it. They don't love you. You didn't get hugged enough as a kid. I feel, or you got hugged too much by the wrong person. And I feel bad for you either way. LV. You better LV this shit alone before I come and find you. You, you suck at this. You See, this is what sets this. us... This is what sets us apart from second opinions on how did this get made. We'll fucking threaten you if you leave a bad review on a movie we like. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make empty threats to you on the internet. You you stupid son of a bitch. One last one from Foreign Seek, two stars. He watched it on May 26, 2021. Basically just an hour and 50 minutes of Paul Newman delivering wise cracks to the quirky people of his small town. Paul Newman was a fabulous actor, but the material here is paper thin. Recommended for people who think Disney movies are too edgy and intellectually challenging. I think people write just like this. These guys are these are all Internet trolls. This is the proverbial like dude in his mom on his mom's couch. This is comic book guy from The Simpsons reviewing this right now. That's who <laughs> this is. Nobody takes you seriously. So that was our first. That really set you off. I just, I hate, I hate the troll thing, man. I really like, what, what are you getting from this? I'm going to take these people at their word. Uh, one last thing before we spin the wheel. Oh, so what do you rate this on a scale of one to 12 monkeys? Hold on. Those are my notes. Hey, don't do that in case our recording is really bad. We need to. Re-record this and act like we I'm we didn't never, do this already. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to re-record it. This is I'm a one and done. It'll be a lost yeah. episode. My my one to twelve monkeys. Yeah. There's, I think there's too many. I thought it was Yippikaiyays. Is what we did. I figured we can change it every episode. We have a twelve point rating scale. We could change it every episode. We can rate it on one to five Bruce's hair plugs, one to five Yippikaiyays, one to twelve monkeys. Just whatever you're feeling like that day, throw it out there. So on 1 to 12, it's hard because it's a 12-point rating scale, and there's so <laughs> much variability between 1 and 12. It's not a 12. <laughs> it's not a 1. I'd say like 8 monkeys? That's too low. I'm going to give it I'm gonna give it 12 monkeys. Who the hell are you to judge how many monkeys I give this thing? Like, tw- You're going to give it 10 out of 12 monkeys. You're just as bad as Front Row Review and Foreign Seek and it's LV. Hold on a second. I can't do this math in my head. I'm giving it 12 monkeys because the hour and 50 minutes flew by. Great cast. Best. 12, 12 monkeys is like Citizen Kane. I don't like that movie myself, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like right. declaring this to be the greatest movie ever. That's bold. That's I was thinking we we could have a top five, a running top five ranking of Bruce movies. So in our running top five, this is on my top five. Well, you know what we should do? It should be like, is this is this a, do you give it one diehard, two diehards, three diehards, four diehards, five? Like, Ooh, five okay. Really we could give it, but it should be, go, it should go in order. 
So listen, like it's a great movie, but it's not the greatest movie ever made. All right, it is a little schmaltzy. It doesn't have nearly enough nudity. <laughs> <laughs> what? Hey man, I wanted to see Jessica's tandies. <laughs> <laughs> give, give us the tandy cut. <laughs> tandies, dandies, man, roll them out. Let's see their bags. <laughs> oh my Those god! Would look like two plastic grocery bags with like a marble inside of them, one each. <laughs> I, I think, listen, I mean, I'll roll it to nine monkeys, but, I mean, that's about it. We're not talking chimpanzees, like nine capuchins. That, that's as much as I would give it. It's good, not great, but it's very good. I would watch it again. I'd watch it right. with my spouse. I'd watch it, well, I wouldn't watch it with my kids. Well, maybe I would. You would recommend it to your mom. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Primarily because she's a scissor sister and she would love to see that <laughs> hot Melanie Griffith action. <laughs> All right. Susie Scissors. Here so, comes Susie Scissors. The DVDs are going for under $10 on eBay. And then I wondered how many people have bought the wrong Nobody's Fool or added the wrong <laughs> Nobody's Fool DVD to their Netflix queue. If you went for the like the 2018... <laughs> Tiffany Haddish joint <laughs> and you got this I can hear like a oh hell no a lot of oh hell no's coming out of people's mouth that's true this was a very white people movie oh my god extremely white as the snow on the ground in North Bath New York I mean the only thing it was missing you know a banjo a couple white people. <laughs> it was extremely 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 white yeah so I guess let's spin the wheel and get out of here. You ready? Chuck a luck. I love the high tech nature of this show that you're holding your microphone to your computer, your iPad speaker. <laughs> if people can't tell that this is like low fidelity, low production, and you're just in a bedroom with an iPad, you don't have to hide from it. I mean, embrace it, man. If they know I'm involved, they know it's low tech. So we got number 29. You ready for this? That was just one through 59. There wasn't the schlock at the end. Number 29. Ooh, I am pumped. This is a good one. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. The whole nine yards. Oh, Oh my gosh. That's That's on the nose. That's great. I actually love, love, love this movie. Yep, Frankie Figs. Uh, I, I remember that character's name. I'm in. I can't wait. I might watch this tonight. Amanda Pete, sister. Amanda Pete. Holly, Holly Robinson Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other actress? It's like Natasha Henstridge or someone like that. Oh, you're gonna have to find out. Well, we'll I, do I research spoil, on this. I yeah, I can't spoil it for you because I don't remember off the top of my head. All right, so we'll see everybody next week. Your homework is the whole nine yards, and uh, keep it Brucey. Go, Frankie, figure yourself. Say you want to be down east, back. A motherfucker get beat down out my face. Fool, I'm the illest. Pull it, I die harder than Bruce Willis. Got my...